You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, what's going on? DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook, you know, as a you know betting newbie because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new betters like myself, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that's still in contention. If you're listening to this, uh, your team is in contention probably. Bet $1, and then if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. It feels like the summertime in California. I don't know where you're at, but it's getting nice and warm out here. What's going on, everybody? I'm back. Jason Jones bringing you the latest episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Uh, Getting ready for the weekend. Uh, A little relaxation. Maybe some Juneteenth celebrations. All that, you know, kind of nice basic stuff. But full transparency, what I got on in the background right now is... A uh, couple of former Kings going at it on the uh, in the in Game Six of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. George Hill against Bogdan Bogdanovich. Haven't talked a lot about George Hill's brief time in Sacramento. Uh, probably won't get too much into it today, but what the hell? Might as well get into it a little bit. Um, 
as I've been kind of going through the what the former Kings and the playoffs are doing series, and you know, right now George is a comes off the bench for Philly. Uh, to my opinion, a nice option to have off the bench if you're a you know a team trying to win. But you know, I may as well talk about George now. One one of my more favorite guys that I've covered. I must say that I know you probably figure I have a lot of favorite guys, but George was a good dude and enjoyed getting to know him. But this will kind of briefly recap his brief tenure in sack. It was one of those what's going on type signings. Not that George Hill was a bad player when the Kings signed him. More so, they signed him in 2017 when they had just drafted De'Aaron Fox. So the idea was, what are you guys doing? You know, you let this young kid De'Aaron cook. You don't mess that up and sign a vet like George Hill, which the Kings still did. George had some solid moments with uh, for the Kings early, especially early on. Made some, uh, I mean, I remember a game early on in Dallas where he was really key in getting the Kings a victory that year. But it was clearly going to be uh, De'Aaron's team at some point, and about a third of the way, maybe a little more into the season before, definitely before the All Star break. George was among a group of veterans who had been signed that offseason who were pretty much sat down by the front office and told, hey, you know, we're going all in with our young guys now, so they're going to be nights where you guys don't play. And as you might imagine, George didn't like that. Well, no player competitor would like that, but that kind of set into where there were nights George played, nights he didn't. But even still, in his uh, 43 games as a king, he averaged 10.3 points, 2.8 assists, 2.7 rebounds, and you know, in 26.6 minutes. And probably the criticism of him that he got a lot was that he didn't shoot enough with the Kings. It's kind of funny, but yeah, because the year before in, in Utah, he'd averaged 16.9 points. And, you know, so it was a... Uh, now that, that was a career year for him the previous season, but Kings didn't get that version of George, and eventually George Hill was traded to Cleveland, where he would go on to help them get to the finals in 2017. Then he would bounce around after that season, ended up in Milwaukee. Now he's in Oklahoma City. Like I said, it's not a whole lot. I don't want to know a whole lot to go into, but figured since I've acknowledged pretty much every former King I've seen in the postseason. Might as well acknowledge George as well. It was a tough situation he was in. It's kind of a frustrating situation just in terms of the way the team was being run. He was the point guard, but they were clearly doing things to highlight guys like De'Aaron, Buddy Heald, you know, and then they had, you know, the collection of like a million young big men. So it was a tough spot for any vet. I thought George handled it as well as anyone could. There were, I mean, I remember hearing a couple of years ago people were trying to say that George was a bad teammate or a bad person. I call bullshit on that. I think anyone, I mean, what people don't realize is that by the time George got traded, even though he didn't fairly like the situation he was in as far as not playing all the time, he wasn't exactly clamoring or begging to be traded. You know, at that point, before, you know, Cleveland was an off and on situation before the deal eventually got done. There were talks of George ending up in. Houston that same year. So pretty much from the time the Kings signed George 
the question was always worth you going to get traded because De'Aaron was waiting. And that's not exactly an easy situation to be in, especially when you know that the team's not going to play you all the time. But I thought, again, George handled it as well, if not better than anyone I can think of or that's been in Sacramento these last few years. So shout out to George Hill. He's a sneaker guy. I'm a sneaker guy. So maybe that's why I like George more than some other people. Who, who, for whatever reason, who didn't like him. I don't really care. George Hill's a good dude, in my opinion, and I wish him the best. Doesn't mean that the Sixers are going to win this series, but hey, good luck out there, George. So, let's go ahead and jump into the Kings chatter. A couple of, uh, but, you know, a couple of things I wanted to touch on, and a lot of my the recent pods have been kind of part you know, what's going on now in part going back and looking at things that that happened and maybe having a little more understanding of why they did. But first, before I get into that part of the uh, podcast, let's talk about uh, congrats to Tyrese Halliburton. Finished third in the uh, Rookie of the Year voting and was one vote short of being a unanimous selection on the all-rookie team. Yeah, someone didn't vote for him for first team, put him on the second team. I didn't take the time to go, you know, dig up which one voter did not put Tyrese on the first team. I think I thought there were three consensus first team players. Uh, Tyrese, LaMelo Ball, who won Rookie of the Year, and Anthony Edwards. To me, those were the no-brainers, you know, but I think, no, it doesn't hurt in the Tyrese at all in the end that he was he had 98 instead of 99 votes it doesn't change anything he's still a first team guy it was just odd or caught some people's attention that someone put him on the second team so the question becomes what three rookies would you have put ahead of Tyrese beyond LaMelo or Anthony Edwards uh doesn't really matter well that Jason Tate and Sadiq Bey were the other two guys to make the first team so you know, that was, uh, I guess you could say, shout out to all those guys. But it was interesting. You, know, you look down and go, wow, someone really did not put Tyrese on the first team. But, hey, it's not like in, at this stage of the game, Tyrese's, you know, money is going to be affected because <laughs> he didn't get a first team vote. He'll be fine. I'm pretty sure if Tyrese is anything like I think he is, he'll use this as some level of motivation going forward. To, you know, to kind of say, hey, someone out there disrespected me, perhaps, and I'm going to go out there and prove everyone wrong. So that was just probably this week's in terms of King's news. Interesting note that someone didn't think Tyrese was one of the uh, top five rookies in the NBA this past season. But, hey, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Clearly, I disagree with that. But, hey, you know, I'm just one man with one vote this year. Okay, so... On to the next, you know, it's been a busy week for my colleagues at The Athletic. A lot of NBA drama going on. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban calling uh, our report about the front office situation, quote, bullshit. Only for the next couple of days to see the shit fall apart for them in Dallas. Whether it was Donnie Nelson resigning Rick Carlisle resigning. So there's a whole lot, you know, bringing in Dirk Nowitzki to be a uh, advisor, you know, front office type person. Where have we seen that before in Sacramento? Hey, shit's going bad. Let's bring in a loved legend from the past and see what that does for us. You know, 
Yeah, trust me, I'm going to let you guys in Dallas know. You don't cover up. That's not enough perfume to cover up the shit that's going on down there right now, which leads me to the reports of tension between Luka Doncic and Rick Carlisle. And you look at all that's going on, essentially now, and in today's NBA, if your players have not bought into the coach, especially your star player, you're good as done. I think Rick Carlisle's smart enough to realize that, so he wasn't going to stick around and maybe clash heads with Luka repeatedly. He doesn't have to. I mean, Rick's won a championship. He had 13 years in Dallas. I think Rick is going to be fine, but you just look at that and you start reading about the tension between Luca and Rick. And it's like, as much as I like Luca as a player, as good as he is, I just don't think he's done anything in the damn league to be running off coaches. But hey, that's the league we're in now. The players hold all the power. And Vlade, you know, obviously, as he, you know, you look back at that draft. And this is before, this is a disclaimer before we get going. This is not me saying that not drafting Luka was the right thing. Calm down, folks. Again, I'm going, I'm trying to give a little more perspective to, as to the to the thinking of the front office back in 2018 when they passed on Luka and took Marvin Bagley to third. Cut that and and leading into that draft, you're a little more than a year removed from the DeMarcus Cousins trade and teams publicly publicly based, saying character matters, or as I called it kicking DeMarcus below the belt for no reason on the way out the door. So, you know, you you have that, you know, backdrop. And for whatever reason, this team is at that point definitely afraid of anyone who they think might be a quote-unquote character issue, who might be difficult. And again, in today's NBA, that's kind of what comes with dealing with, you know, good players, you know, especially stars. You're going to get some headaches with them. But... The Kings were essentially felt like they were obsessed with, quote, getting nice guys, good guys, guys who they felt would not be a problem. And just perhaps, you know, like I said, not defending the decision, but just perhaps maybe the idea of getting a guy who might be a bit of a hothead, who would clash with your coach, you know, those type of things. All of that, you know, definitely p- played into Vlade's thinking because... At that stage, the Kings were obsessed. Like I said, to me, it was, it was it was borderline ridiculous with the whole character. He's a good guy. He's a nice guy. You know, just that whole campaign. And if, the, you know, in a lot of ways, this reminds me of when the Kings passed on Ricky Rubio back in 2009. You know, if there's any feeling that maybe the guy might not be mature enough that maybe he might be a bit of a headache. You know, it was a different regime. That was Jeff Petrie's days. I could see why. I could see why maybe in Vlade's mind, passing on Luca was the right move. Because if you look at what's going on in Dallas now, you got people talking about, you know, tension between player and coach. Do players really want to play with Luca? All that stuff. And I don't think the Kings wanted to deal with that. That being said, you're damn right. You should have drafted him. You figure this shit out later. <laughs> and it is what it is now. And then especially when that 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 whole kind of thinking looks even funnier when, you know, 
people say, well, Marvin Bagley's dad was tweeting, blah, 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 blah. To me, that's not a big deal. And I think in that case, Vladi was, you know, Vladi didn't care what Marvin's dad tweeted because Marvin's not a problem as a player or as a person. So that's where, you know, that's what that whole situation in Dallas made me think about. Like, wow, maybe that's what Vladi was talking about when he kept saying that Luka wasn't a good fit because in the NBA, talent is talent and talent fits. I don't care who's already on your roster, as I said in the last pod, or maybe a couple of pods ago. When you're a bad team, you can't draft for position and fit. You got to get talent. So Luca would fit anywhere, in my opinion. Or he would have he would have fit with the Kings some way somehow. But hey, it didn't happen. With all that being said, it didn't happen. So let me know what y'all think. Do you think this is what Vlade was worried about? Do you think that uh, they? I mean. Of course, you're going to say they made the wrong decision, but does it at least give you a little more understanding as to what maybe Vlade was thinking? Because I kept telling people all the time, which is why I thought maybe Luca wasn't going to be good. If anyone should have known everything about Luca, it should have been Vlade, considering you know Vlade's ties to the uh, play over there, you know his history over in Europe. If anyone should have known every little word about Luca, it should have been Vlade. So. That's what I, you know, that's what I'm thinking. You know, let me know what you think. You know, you know, tweet me, you know, ping me. I guess you can't ping me on Twitter, but hey, do whatever it is you got to do. Let me know what you think. And which leads me to this, uh, my next transition or probably my final basketball take of the, of this here pod. Yeah. Just so you know, folks, this is not going to be a super long episode. Um, if I get to 30 minutes, I'd be shocked, but. You know, it's all been pretty quiet around on the Kings front, you know. Not a lot of chatter, you know. You know, I've seen the Kings linked to Kyle Kuzma. You know, people talk about, you know, this in the rumor mill, you know, Kyle to Sacramento, maybe Buddy Heald ends up a Laker. But really, overall, it's been pretty peaceful around the Kings and quiet, which for me is a, is a, is a relief because I don't want to ch- deal with all that the entire offseason and it's even crazier when you consider that <laughs> you know all these coaches getting fired this week you know or actually or, or actually the new term is they've agreed to part ways everyone parting ways with people and somehow the kings have been just nice and quiet and going about their business so maybe that's a f- foreshadowing of the future maybe the kings are going to be done with the drama I don't know. I would be lying to you if I said that I thought that I, that I knew the future with this team because this thing could change in a, in a heartbeat. But right now, this is about as stable as the Kings have been. Well, shit, what, in a year, almost a year since they uh, fired? I mean, well, they agreed to part ways with Vlade. No. So let's see. I wonder if they can keep this up. Just kind of keep people at bay, you know, and then get ready for the lottery next week. Which, if it's kind to the Kings, we'll have a whole lot of things to talk about. Because if they move up, you know, we can have that great debate. Do you keep the pick? Do you package that thing to get you uh, a more uh, impact player right away? You know, do you want to be like the Oklahoma City Thunder and collect a million draft picks? I don't... 
I don't I don't get that because to me all draft picks do when you have that many is just sell hope. I mean shit. How many draft picks have the Boston Celtics had? And they ended up with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, which was great, but how many years did we hear about they were gonna get Anthony Davis or this guy or that guy or that guy with all these picks and they ain't got a damn thing they ain't got that with all those damn picks. You know, well hell, what did they get uh the trade deadline this 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 season? Evan Fournier, all that talk about trades and picks and Boston ain't got, they have not made, turned those picks into the superstar that everyone assumed they would when they were like, well, Danny Angel's a genius for getting all these picks. So maybe Sam Presti will be different. I don't know. I can't predict that. Wouldn't be, I'd be surprised if it turns them around just because, well, a pick is, it looks great until you take someone and you realize the guy can't play. So, let's see. I think the, I don't think the Kings will go that route. I think if the Kings make a move with their pick, it would be to get an impact player, not to just collect picks just for the sake of doing it. I think they're more focused on trying to win win sooner than later. And a first-round pick in 2025 does not help you win in 2021-2022. So, I'm done with basketball, y'all. The offseason... You know, is is is, is you know deep. We're about what six weeks or so out from the NBA draft, but we got plenty of time to talk about the draft and all that stuff. Uh, when I want to wrap up with this part of the show, you know, the hip hop portion of the Ruler of the Court podcast, we had a lot of hip hop birthdays this week. A whole bunch of them: uh, Ice Cube, Tupac, MC Ren, and Kendrick Lamar all had birthdays this week. So happy birthday to all of them. And what I wanted to do was since it since their so you know was all their birthdays, I want to kind of go through their catalogs and not go like five songs, but pick my two favorite songs are uh two of my you know favorite songs or verses from them. Maybe some stuff that's not you know, as kind of the mainstream stuff you all know. So I'm going to start with uh, the youngest guy of the group, Kendrick Lamar. You know, one of my favorites. I already have him in like my top probably five, ten all time. But got it. I'm going to give, you know, like I said, three. Like I said, three, maybe two or three songs, you know. And I'll go and for Kendrick, I'll go from most recent to earliest. I'll go to Damn, his last album. Kendrick, can we get another album, please? Please? But, you know, hey. Uh, my favorite song on that album was Duckworth. Uh, the last track on the album, that song, was, I just thought that song was brilliant. The storytelling, the the production, all that, you know. They did the damn thing on that song. And it was, like I said, it was, it was amazing. Just the way they flipped that. You know, just, I mean, the, the way the beat keep kept, you know, flipping during the song. Hey, shout out to Knife Wonder for making that happen. That song is outstanding. And then um, I'll go to, to Pimp a Butterfly. You know, and I'll, my favorite song, who was my favorite song? Uh, Actually, it's, again, it's the last one, Mortal Man, because it wasn't just a song. It had the whole poem part, you know, like he was having a dialogue with Tupac, you know, just that whole thing. 
I thought that song was, you know, played out beautiful. But I think I think To Pimp a Butterfly might be a damn near perfect album. It's one of the best albums I've ever heard. And I'll go one more. Good Kid, Mad City. What's the song that I love on here? Because I'm a big Kendrick fan, so I won't be able to pick just one. But I'm going to try. So, uh, man, this is hard. I don't know if I have a one song. I'm going to go with Mad City, uh, Kendrick Lamar and MCA. Two of Compton's finest putting it down. But this album here is another one. No skips. Play it straight through. It bumps. It's great. Okay, so now, after that, I'm going to go to MC Ren. And I think MC Ren, in a lot of ways, is very underrated and underappreciated. His growth as an MC from early in NWA to where, you know, where he is, where was, no, where he, has he, what he became, should I say, is not really talked about enough, in my opinion. And, you know, some of his, his, his solo albums had some, some very good songs on there, but I'm going to kind of bounce around on him too, a little bit, maybe two or three songs. Uh, it, um, I'll go. I'll jump back to like I said. I'll look at some of the you know some some of the solo stuff and just kind of reminisce when his his album '92 "Kiss My Black Ass" came out and he spelled you know "kiss and ass" with two Z's and I think this is right here is actually it's 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 an EP. It's 25 minutes, but it's a very entertaining 25 minutes and. A lot of this stuff would not fly in 2021, nearly 30 years later. Some of the things he was talking about was just so fucking inappropriate. But damn it, I sure as hell was entertained back in the day, you know. You know, he go to behind the scenes, which is completely just... You listen to it now, like, this is a completely, like, disgusting, horrible song. But it was, you know... It, it slapped back in the 90s. You know, I don't know if you get get away with performing it now, but... Yeah, that, just check that EP out if you want some old school gangster rap. I thought Ren really did the damn thing, though, on that. Yeah, in terms of just his uh, his music and what he did. Oops, almost started playing MC Ren for y'all. I didn't mean to do that. But yeah, he was... Uh, I said, Ren, I think, just lyrically improved so much from the first appearance to where he ended up being, even though his solo career didn't, you know, be hit the level of Ice Cube or a Dre. Ren definitely deserves his uh, his flowers for what he, you know, for what he did and and, and gave, has given to hip-hop. So shout out to MC Ren, another, another guy from Compton. Now we're going to jump to, uh, everyone knows my favorite MC of all time, the one and only Ice Cube. Uh... I know every, I pretty much know every Ice Cube lyric top to bottom. So this is kind of unfair. And I'm going to start with one song. That's actually a song that I hadn't heard initially when it came out. I got turned on to later. It's uh, called, it's Grand Finale. It was on a Little John, it was on Little John's album. I will tell y'all exactly which album that was. Yeah, because there's, there's two Grand Finale songs. Actually, yeah, there's yeah, there's the grand finale with DMX, Ja Rule, Method Man, and Nas. The the grand finale with by the DLC, but then you've got 
grand finale with for, with uh from the Crunk Juice album by Lil John and Eastside Boys, and it's got Lil John and Eastside Boys. It's got Bun B, Jada Kiss, Ice Cube, Nas, and Ti. And the reason why I love that song, that verse by Cube, because you look at who's on that song. Those are some, you know, top level MCs. And in my opinion, maybe it's a little bit biased, but I don't think it is. Cube destroyed everyone on there. Cube came through at the end of that song and mopped up the floor. It's, you know, probably one of the more underappreciated Ice Cube verses out there. So Little John and Eastside Boys, Crunk Juice, play grand finale if you want a different side of Cube. And really, that's all I got to say about the Cube one. Because, I mean, I can go on and on and on with Cube. And I don't think you guys want me on an Ice Cube, uh, dot, kind of Ice Cube uh, rabbit hole. Because I could talk about Ice Cube, the MC, for about, well, I could do an hour just on Ice Cube. So, yeah, just check that one out. You know, and and I'll actually I'll add this I'll, I'll say in terms of some of his other albums that maybe didn't get the love they should have go back and listen to Laugh Now Cry Later Again Raw Footage and I Am The West especially I Am The West I Am The West has some stuff on there that I still listen to you know Soul On Ice and actually uh, y'all know who I am, who, how I am that might be my favorite song on that album so yeah I lied I gave y'all a little bit more and also No Country For Young Men on that album Go ahead and get, and get those. Check those out. If you want to hear some, some Ice Cube. Uh, those are my suggestions. And finally, the late, great Tupac Shakur, who would have turned 50 this year. Man, where do we begin with Pac? I don't know. I really don't know. So it's like, man. I'll start with uh, one of my favorite songs from All Eyes on Me. I even tweeted about it, Hearts of Men. That was always my probably my favorite song from the double disc from the first time I heard it. And part of it is that DJ Quick production is just so on point for that song. And like I said, that song is undefeated. That beat is undefeated. So if you're going to be going strolling through your, uh, your Tupac library, make sure you play that again. If you want to get some early Tupac, make sure, you know, also in, in memory of Shock G, play same song again, you know. Pac's first, you know, Pac jumping out from being a roadie to an MC on that in that video, you know, being a dancer, you know, make sure you play that one too. And then, hmm, I mean, it's, and thing is, a lot of the things I like from Pac were, you know, just like, I don't know, we got some mixtape stuff. I could go on and on and on and then about Pac, but uh, man, I don't even know what it, I really, I really can't decide on another song from Pac but you know what listen to all the Pac listen to all the Pac you can listen to do that then because I don't have another you know start with Tupacalypse now you know if you got a long drive you got a workout I don't know listen to all the Pac you can and enjoy it so I'm up out of here y'all happy birthday to the west coast hip hop legends uh, you can find me on twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones find me on instagram Mr. Jones LBC uh, you know where I where I be on both of those. Uh, shout out to the Basketball Podcast Network, and we will catch up soon. Y'all have a good weekend. You, you know, take care. I'm out. <laughs>